What's up, guys? Chris Harry with you on a Week 9 edition of Chargers Weekly as the Bolts are back at SoFi Stadium to take on the Las Vegas Raiders this Sunday. Coming up, we'll see what's on the menu powered by Subway with the voice of the Chargers, Matt Money-Smith. But we're going to kick things off with a Beat Riders Roundtable. The LA Times is Jeff Miller, Joe Reedy of the Associated Press, and Gilbert Manzano of Southern California News Group. But before we get to that roundtable, Bolts fans, this season Pizza Hut, they're hooking it up with the Bolts to the Hut bundle deal that includes an exclusive Chargers poster. For $14.99, Chargers fans, they'll receive a large three-topping pizza and a Chargers poster. Right now, it's the Hunter Henry poster that's available. Collect all six posters throughout the season. Visit PizzaHut.com deals. Enter your zip code to see if your local Pizza Hut is participating in the greater LA area. Offers available for pickup or delivery while supplies last. All right, guys, kick it off week nine in style with the Beat Riders Roundtable on Chargers Weekly. Jeff Miller, LA Times, Joe Reedy, Associated Press, Gilbert Manzano, Southern California News Group. Gentlemen, welcome to week nine. How are we doing? Hi, uh, yeah, I'm doing great, Chris, although I just noticed that I have a, a lightning bolt over my head. It looks like a halo. <laughs> I, I need to, I, I need to, this doesn't look right. I got to do some I know, adjusting. I know. Hey, you, got, you guys talk. Let me adjust. I know exactly where Jeff is. He's in a, he's in a room, an undisclosed location, Chargers <laughs> Media Headquarters. Guys, Raider week. I think a couple of weeks ago, we were looking at the next two games for the Chargers. Broncos, Raiders, an opportunity to get back to 500 and maybe put yourself back in that playoff hunt. Uh, right now, based on what happened on Sunday, you're just looking for a win and get your season back on track, Gil. We'll start with you, man. Yeah, I felt like a week ago I was going to write about, you know, finally getting that AFC West win. You know, they were 0-7. And then I went back to the same old story about the blown leads, the 21-point advantage. Uh, we kind of forgot about them needing to win a game in division because everybody's so caught up in blowing leads and not closing out games. So it, we're back to that again going into this big Raiders matchup. They got to win the game in the division eventually. Uh, so maybe for the Chargers, they could kind of figure that out, close out games, and get a win in the AFC West. Joe, for two and a half quarters, that defense, there was a stat, I think it was 152 rushing yards to just two. Really, it, it came down to two Phillip Lindsay runs. That made up 75 of their 108 yards rushing. Obviously, the 55-yard touchdown. Uh just a difficult way to lose because it was really a tale of two games, right? You play lights out really on in all three phases for two and a half quarters, and then it's kind of a collapse the last quarter and a half. Yeah, I think it's been that way so far where it's been tales of two different games, and then some sort of moment happens. KC game, it was the Herbert interception. Um, Tampa Bay, the Kelly turnover. New Orleans, that drive late in the second quarter. Jacksonville kind of the respond on runs, but to their credit, the late in the third quarter to Guyton touchdown and then the uh, Pope forced fumble helped uh, turn the tide around as the Chargers won. And then Phil Lindsay, I mean, you go, you look at last year's games and the year before, he usually has big runs to impact this team. I think I was looking at last year, that game here, he had six or seven runs of over 10 yards and I think had like a 30, 40-yard touchdown um, during that first half that really got him out to a 16-0 lead. And then you kind of look at 
the execution and everything during the uh, last quarter and a half, just hearing Gus today, he's like, it was almost a riff on the John McKay line. When he looks at execution, it falls on me. So, you know, if you, if somebody's looking to execute the uh, defensive coordinator, I think uh, Gus and the fans are all for it right now, but uh, <laughs> you got to kind of, uh, you know, these, these things are like an avalanche kind of reminds me of that, that story out of the uh, natural where, uh, the New York Knights were losing all those games and they'd have the psychologist in there. That's like losing is like a drug. And then they'd lose two or three more losing is like getting hit, run over by a truck. And it just seems like with each of these blown leads, it's like, surely they can't blow this one. And then it happens and it just gets more, more gobsmacking as we go along. Jeff, at some point for the Chargers, they're looking for that turning point. Could it come Sunday? You know, they need to prove it on the field, and we'll see what happens. The Raiders have been a little up and down this year, but they have some quality wins. You know, they won in the wind uh, last Sunday in Cleveland. Uh, they beat the Kansas City Chiefs, Arrowhead Stadium. But I, it's hard for me to understand, you know, the way that they just suffocated Drew Locke and suffocated that running game – for Drew Locke to pull that game out, uh, and then you look at the other side, Justin Herbert, I know he had two turnovers that led to two point, uh, to 10 points, but we're continuing to see this rookie quarterback really rise to the occasion. Yeah, it's been a really strange story, as anybody following this team knows. Is they, he's had this incredible start to his career. It's kind of like you know he's in the middle of all this, all this crap swirling around him. And it, it, all this failure, and he's actually had a great start to his career. It's, you know, he's he's one in five as a starter. And I was telling uh, someone the other day, it's kind of like a starting pitcher in baseball having a one-two ERA and being one in ten or something. And you're like, how is this possible? And I know there's been examples in baseball where that kind of thing has happened. So it, it's been a really strange story that, uh, that it's like the Chargers have found they. They found this uh, this great quarterback, this great potential franchise quarterback who could be playing for this team for who knows how long. And uh, 15 years, is, it's not out of the question easily. I was just sitting right now, I look, he looks like that kind of player potentially. And yet, all we're writing about is how they just keep failing week after week. It's it's a really weird dynamic. So is it Jacob DeGrom of the uh, NFL? That was, a, that was uh, who I was talking to, pointed that out, used that exact name, yes. You know, Gil, you know, we go back to training camp. Imagine if you and I are sitting there and we saw Herbert throw that interception to Melvin Ingram, and I tapped you on the shoulder. I said, you know what? Justin Herbert's going to be one in five in his first six starts. You would think, man, you know, rookie struggling. It's just going to take some time for him to get it. That's why they play the games. That's why this league is so weird and crazy. Um, he is carrying the team right now, and, and they are getting so close to win in these games. And you look at the record, two and five, you lead wire to wire against Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, you're a hook and ladder away from beating the Carolina Panthers. And then we've talked about these last four games, all, all the blown leads. This is a team that has never been out of a football game in 2020, yet here we are. Yeah, that's the thing. It doesn't really matter who you play. You could be playing a defending Super Bowl champion. You could be playing a Buccaneers defense that's very good. And you're going you're to hang around. You're going to stay in the game. That hasn't been an issue. Just closing out this, uh, these these games, it's been a thing since the last the last two years. They're three and fourteen and one score games, 
and which just sounds crazy to say. It's been 17 games of this, and I think a year ago they set a record uh, for losing nine one-score games, and they're kind of already halfway there for this year. So you you, you got to figure it out, and I, and it's not becoming a story for the coaching staff and and job security and stuff like that. And I never thought we'd get to this point because I feel like Anthony is one a very beloved coach for the Chargers. People respect them. But when you don't have answers for closing out games and, and leads and, and maintaining them, you start thinking, is this a coaching thing? Is, is this something that you got to figure out from up top? So I, I think for the Chargers players, there's some pressure on them to win for Anthony Lennon's coaching staff. And you got to do it against the Raiders. And if you, if you don't do it this week on the division rival, it's going to start heating up a little more. And, and well, hopefully for Anthony Lynn, there's answers because we keep asking questions, you know, where are these answers? And hopefully this week, week nine, could be the, the week that he shows us some results. Joe, you've been watching the Raiders this year. What do you think the Chargers uh, need to focus on? You know, I guess maybe first, I look at Josh Jacobs and that running game, and that almost seems like, okay, if you stop that, maybe uh, – get Carr in some uncomfortable situations, you go a, a decent way towards trying to win that game. Yeah, that running game last week, Chris, just completely dominated Cleveland in in early November, typical lakefront conditions in Cleveland. It was sleeting a little bit, a little bit of snow falling on the ground. The window was extraordinary. I mean, Daniel Carlson had a field goal the two-thirds of the way was straight as an arrow, and then it took a 45-degree angle that I have never seen from a football before. It was, it, was, it was almost as if somebody, like, blocked the shot um, halfway up. That's, that's how it looked. But, you know, there are similarities in that game to what the Chargers' defensive line's going through. Oakland was able to get five, six yards of carry in the second half because Miles Garrett was out due to a knee injury. You look at the Chargers this week. Joey Bosa could miss with it, could miss because he's in concussion protocol. So I think the Raiders are looking at that and going, you know, we might be able to have success on the ground again, but you know, you look at the rest of their offense, it's almost similar to the Chargers in some ways. They rely on the tight end with Waller, kind of like w- what the Chargers do with um, Hunter Henry. Uh, they, you know, they've, they've got some speed at the receivers, kind of like how the Chargers do. And I mean, David, Derek Carr was having flashbacks to his brother for a second. David this is Dillon. only... The, this is only the third time in his career through seven games that the Raiders are over 500. So in his Raiders team, you know, we talk about the move to Vegas and everything. They're three and one on the road so far. They went to, they went to Carolina, went to Kansas city with fans in one went to Cleveland with fans in one. And usually we would look at this week as kind of, you know, one of the largest crowds of the year and almost like a almost like a Chargers Raiders convention and I think that's going to be one of the one of the biggest biggest detractions of this game where if you really wanted fans you wanted it in this one you wanted it in this game just because of the heat and everything going on yeah it would have been fun to see Chargers Raiders fans 
uh, watching this game at SoFi Stadium. Uh, speaking of the running game, Jeff, the Chargers actually got one going. Um, over 200 yards rushing. Kind of that three-headed attack. I think Troy Main Pope was the real bright spot. Justin Jackson at his best game of the year. Um, Brian Bulaga back in the starting lineup last week. And, you know, as we take this, Trey Turner is back on the field, which is a great sign for the Chargers. How important do you think that running game is going to be uh, moving forward, not only for Justin Herbert, but really the team in general to, to control clock? And, um, you know, I think that's what they kind of were missing at the end of that game is, is just winding that clock down at the end of that Denver game. I, I think if there was one or two plays that, that went the Chargers' way late in the game, they would have won it. But um, running game going to be important regardless. Yeah, absolutely. And they had it going a little bit there. There was a point in the second half where – I was thinking to myself, Anthony Lenz has got to be loving this because they were they were pounding the ball down the field. It was very methodical, and that's exactly what they want to do. And we all know, you know, Anthony Lenz, a former running back, running back coach. He he really preaches the running game, and and that's what they want to do. They want to have as much balance as like most teams, even with what everything everything that uh, Justin Herbert's done. They want to have that that threat of the run, and and we saw last week again. You're reminded of these, you know, what Justin Jackson can do. When he's healthy and can play, and he he you know he looked really good, Tromaine Pope looked really good, and uh, they need that. And you know we don't know Pope's status at this moment. He's also in concussion protocol, so that could be a factor. And um, but they they absolutely definitely need that. And I would like to to note that while that was happening on Sunday, I do I was thinking to myself that before that game, I wrote how they had struggled running the ball. And I wrote, it's not likely to help. You know, it's not likely to improve this week as they're running for 200 yards as a team. So it tells you what I know. That was very <laughs> surprising. But they, they, uh, I think they surprised a lot of people and probably even themselves with how, how well they ran the ball. Yeah. How about, how about Cole Toner, Gil? Yeah, that was a very surprised, strong performance from Cole Toner at right guard. And uh, I was just writing about that yesterday and how many scenarios they had going into that game because Ryan Groy, you know, tested positive uh, for coronavirus. and you weren't sure if Brian Blau was going to come back. You weren't even sure about Trey Turner. Uh, and then we go from Tyree St. Louis and Scott Quisenberry. You know, you thought they were the next man up. And then goes to Cole Toner. And he, he probably had the best performance from a right guard all season. So that was pretty nice to see for the Chargers. Uh, but I'm guessing now they want Trey Turner to eventually take that spot and have your your uh, your big right side there, Brian Bulaga and Trey Turner. So I think that's kind of what you need nowadays. When you're kind of funk, you need guys to step up out of nowhere from practice squad. Uh, I, I think at the onset, there's going to be a, a season of uncertainty, and sometimes guys are going to step up that way. We saw Tyron Johnson and on offense, uh, Donald Parham, so and, and even Pope. So guys like that, you need an, uh, all, you know, whatever it is, 70 guys on the roster, I forget, from the practice squad to 53 guys. Uh, so, you know, hopefully you get Trey Turner back because uh, you're going against, uh, you know, it's not the scariest front seven with the, with, with the Raiders. I almost said Oakland, so Las Vegas Raiders. <laughs> uh, but a year ago with Max Crosby, he gave him a lot of fits uh, against the Chargers. I think he had like maybe four sacks in one game that Thursday night game. So hopefully uh, Herbert has some protection there. But, you know, the more guys you get back, uh, you know, the better. And uh, we saw Austin Eckler walking around there. But it looks very, very thin at running back for this week, especially with Tremaine Poe can go. But you get Turner back, uh, that helps you out. Hey, Joe, eight touchdowns. Uh, receiving touchdowns. Justin Herbert's thrown the ball to, to eight different guys, four of them undrafted free agents. Gabe Neighbors being the, the latest. What I find interesting is that seven touchdowns on 14 career receptions combined for those guys. It, that's just another layer to, I think, what 
we're seeing from Justin Herbert in just his first six games in the NFL. Yeah, he's really spreading the wealth, which is which is surprising. And you know, it's right. He's he's getting it to the right guys. I mean, the next gen stats came out from the past week, which have him seventh for the season in throwing in the tight windows. But I mean, other than the Mike Williams touchdown in New England and then the uh, interception you know, against Kansas City and then the Williams won in Denver. You don't remember on the big plays many times when he threw within a yard or a yard and a half of the DB. They always seem to be so wide open. Um, but I think it also speaks to this offense too, the very, very playmakers and skill guys that they've had and are able to find find people. And I think even more credit to – you know, the Tom Telesco and the scouting crew for for finding some of these undrafted guys who have developed for the past year or two. I mean, I know Gabe Neighbors is this year, but, you know, some of those other guys like Guyton and, you know, Parnum got, got some time into the XFL, which which has definitely helped this year. But the other ones, too, are finally uh, coming to the forefront. Jeff, you getting kicked out of the studio? Uh, yeah, that was uh... – the Chargers PR department asking me if I'm ever going to go home. So <laughs> I told them I'll stay here as long as I want. It's like, <laughs> I'll stay here all night if I have to. All right, guys, it goes without saying the Chargers need this win. Let's go around the horn. Uh, a player to watch and a key to the game, and we'll start with Gil. Putting me on the spot, Chris. I, I, I know, I know. At this. Uh, you know, you know, I'm gonna go defense because the defense has been a struggle uh, this year, uh, and and I, and it was a pretty bad game for uh, Nazir Adderley. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with him to kind of turn it back and maybe get a, a pick six. You know, help out the offense and get some points there. So uh, uh, Nas, after a struggle a year, I'm sorry, a week ago, it feels like a year already. A week ago in Denver, he'll turn it around this week against the Raiders, and uh, I think he'll be a player to watch this week. Joe Reedy. Gil kind of stole my thunder a little bit because listen, there's nothing, there's nothing saying you can't. I was thinking about you. No, I think, I think any defensive back, not just Adderley, but uh, you know, Jenkins or uh, Campbell, Casey Hayward, one of that unit just has to step up on Sunday because you know, I think I think I wrote in in our Monday analysis, Nasir Adderley was a one man wrecking crew to his own team. I, that's that's kind of how bad Adderley's second half was Sunday in that game. But I think, you know, Casey's kind of been inconsistent at times. Campbell, unfortunate PI on that last drive, but I think other than that, was steady and solid. And I think everybody, you know, is kind of looking at this DB room, too, of, you know, you traded Desmond King, where, you know, you look at the ability and stuff, people may be questioning that. I think there's more beneath the surface that I think all of us have written about. But, you know, you trade somebody of that talent, you better have people that that have been able to step up. So I think, so I think the DBs as a whole, they've, they've got to have a good game. Yeah, Chris Harris Jr. has got to get back soon for, for for that secondary, and we don't know when that's going to be yet. Jeff, what about you? 
I would like to note that the last time we did this, Chris, I picked Desmond King, and he's not on the team anymore. Yeah. So. You picked him to score a touchdown, too, I think. <laughs> so maybe maybe the, I shouldn't participate in this because uh, I'm going to doom whoever I say. Uh, so in that, in that spirit, uh, I'm going to go a little bit, a little bit uh, sideways on this. I'm going to pick Michael Badgley. I'm going to say that the Money Badger are, uh, is going to kick a winning field goal in this this week for the Chargers. I, I, uh, I keep waiting. Is there's going to be a moment? And he, he you know, he obviously uh, has had some not great moments this season so far. But uh, I, I'll go with him just because it's uh, it's a little a little something different, and uh, it gives me a chance to be like really, really prescient, like really smart. When if it does happen on Sunday, it'll be like, wow, that guy actually called it. Uh, you know, ahead of time. So I'm going to go with Michael Badge. Again, we'll we'll clip it and we'll play it right after the game if it happens. So I'm going to get one of these right. It might you, <laughs> you know, are. It, it might take ten years, but I'm going to get one of these. <laughs> you know, you know, for me, it's Melvin Ingram. Uh, he really has been all over the Raiders his entire career. Uh, he has nine sacks against Oakland now, Las Vegas. Um, he sacked Derek Carr more than any other quarterback. And he doesn't have a sack this year, and we don't know Joey Bosa's status for this game as we take this. So I think it's going to be important for them to generate a pass rush, whether you have Bosa or not. And uh, I think this could be a game where where Melvin gets in the mix. And you guys remember, I think it was two years ago, uh, he had that that key interception in the end zone. He almost ran one in, I think, as a running back uh, against the Raiders. So I don't know, something about – Melvin Ingram in silver and black, uh, he, he gets up for these games, and he spoke today. I think he basically bluntly said, you know, I just want to beat the Raiders. It's funny <laughs> when you – you know, Chris is throwing out facts and stuff, so you can see who actually prepares for this segment and who actually does their homework <laughs> and, and the three people who don't do their homework. So thanks for making us all look bad, Chris. I appreciate that. No, you know, you guys always do your homework. That's why I have you on. And uh, division game Sunday at SoFi Stadium. All these guys will be here. Gil Manzano, Jeff Miller, Joe Reedy. We will see you guys in Englewood Sunday. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate it. Thanks, Chris. All right, Chargers fans, access to school meals is more important than ever, as one in four students are now facing food insecurity. That's why Subway is teaming up with America's Dairy Farmers and Fuel Up to Play 60 to raise money to help fight hunger in our local community. Head to your local Subway store before November 30th and donate your spare change at the register to Fuel Up to Play 60 to help tackle hunger and make sure local LA students have access to the nutrition they need. All right, time to see what's on the menu powered by Subway with the voice of the Chargers, Matt Money-Smith. And Money, I guess we'll start with just what was it like to call that last quarter and a half? Chargers have a 21-point lead midway through the third. You're about to get your first division win in over a year, and uh, really the unthinkable happens. Yeah, um, gosh, you know, you, you, you always you, – you know, you know you're the Chargers broadcast. You want to stay positive, but – you know, after Lindsey broke off that 55-yarder, you know, and that drive took all of 88 seconds, you know, I think it's the responsible thing to do considering what's happened this year to say, look, there's a lot of time left. Uh, it, it is a two-score game now at, at 24 to 10, and the Chargers going to have to answer here. And when they didn't, and then you got another 90-second drive, I think that's when sort of, you know, I, I think you can kind of – maybe understand what fans and people that are listening are feeling and you try to sort of embrace that or I don't want to say echo it, but kind of recognize the moment. 
So yeah. I, I think from the moment, you know, from that, from that 55 yard run on, you know, I think you felt, and, you know, DJ and I were talking about this too. I, I, I said, you know, if, if that's what we're thinking, then just imagine the confidence that teams that are behind have when they play the chargers, you know, it's unfortunate, but when, when you should have guys hanging their head and just wanting to run the clock out and get the heck out of here and move on to next week, there ain't a team in football. That's not saying whatever we can come back on this team, you know, yeah. look what the bucks did. Look what the saints did. Look what the chiefs did Jaguar, you know? And so I think that's something that that's going to be tough to overcome for coach Lynn and this team, you know, to, to try to be able to put that final nail in and, and coast in a fourth quarter when you're up three scores, because the other team just wants to kind of get the heck out of there. Yeah. You know, I, I still, I still really can't put my finger on it because I, I don't think they didn't play hard. Uh, I just, I thought there were, there were breakdowns defensively. Um, you know, there's little things like you, you could point to, you know, Justin Jackson, he immediately knew he went out of bounds, uh, that last offensive possession for the chargers. And he, he hit his helmet. He's like, no, I just, I, yeah. I gave the Broncos a little bit more time. That last drive by Denver felt like forever. Um, I don't know. Can you point to anything? Because I'm just trying to figure out, I think as a whole, it's, it's something different every week, I guess. Yeah, it is. You know what, Chris, it is. And it's not right. I think if you, if you look at individual plays, it's something different. It's a Mike Badgley missed field goal. Oh, and, and here's a, you know, a high low that Sam Tevy didn't see and becomes a cut block. And, you know, if that doesn't happen, then you're a second and five inside the 15 and marching right down for a score. But to me, like the one thing that is constant and, and I hate saying it, but you know, it's Gus's defense. You know, this, this defense manages to contain an opponent through the first quarters pretty, pretty regularly, right? And then adjustments are made, and they get gashed in the second half. And, and whether it's a single big play or, like you said, it's kind of that soft zone that teams are just picking apart and marching their way down the field, we've seen it every week. You know, we, we, we saw it in week one with the Bengals when an offensive pass interference saved them from losing that game. We saw it with the Saints. We saw it with the Chiefs. You know, just in overtime, that soft zone is they just kind of picked it apart. So I think that's an issue. When you, when you have a lead, you know, and there's under two minutes left, you should be able to win that game. When, when you have the talent this, that this team has on defense, like that to me is – like that's where you can't say, oh, it's something different every week. Because every week they have a lead late or they're at least in a position to win a game and they just can't quite finish it off. So I think that's probably something – and. You know, I know that was kind of an issue with Gus at, at you know, Seattle for a minute there. And, and then it was also an issue at Jacksonville for a minute. And I feel like it's kind of been a, a problem here that I know Coach talked about create, you know, Coach Lynn talked about creating more turnovers and maybe being more aggressive and dialing up more blitzes because we know how much he doesn't like the blitz in that cover three. But uh, to me, that's, that's where I would start. You know, what's got to change? I think that's got to change. You've got to change what you're doing on defense in, in the second half and especially – when you have a lead and all you have to do is make one more stop, they just can't get that stop. Justin Herbert is now one in five, but you know, if, if we were talking in August and you told me, all right, Justin Herbert's going to start six games, you'd be one in five. I'm probably thinking, you know what? He's probably going to struggle a little bit and you know, they may not be winning because of the quarterback. It's the complete opposite. Now I knew he threw a couple of interceptions um, against the Broncos, that's going to happen as a rookie. Still through three touchdowns. Is it surprising to you that that Herbert has been the one constant really uh, throughout this six games where where he's been starting? He's been really the, the positive here. 
Yeah, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna borrow a, a phrase that that Daniel uses a lot, and that's trucks and trailers. Herbert's a truck. You know, he's yeah. not a trailer. He's pulling the team. There's no question about it. I know people want to point. Look, that was a weird interception, the one on Callahan. He doesn't even have. He's not even turned around. And I'm not trying to pin it on Mike. He should have put a little more air under it. Had it a little bit higher. When when you got a six four guy on a five nine corner, get that thing up there. So I, I am putting that responsibility on him, but. I mean, Callahan just had that thing fall into his lap. You know, it's pinned against his helmet. He feels it. And somehow he's able to, to identify where it was with that one arm. And he comes down with it. I love the aggressiveness of that pass as well, trying to get that knockout blow. So I appreciate that part of it. But Herbert's positives far outweighed those two interceptions, especially since he overcame the first one to take a 24-3 to lead. So just wipe that first one out. And then you kind of talk about that second one. And, and that really could have been that back-breaking moment, right? Because – Locke throws the interception. He's not having a great game. You pile on the extra touchdown. And I think in Denver, they're asking questions about, okay, are, are we taking inventory on Drew Locke? If we're a two or a three win team in a, in a draft that has Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, you know, or, or what are we doing here instead? You know, again, the, you know, and that's the other thing to go with, you know, what I, what I mentioned about Gus's defense is the offense has experienced these lulls at the, the most inopportune time where for whatever reason you score with that that first you know first possession of the third quarter or I should yeah you know you score with the first possession of the third quarter you you just dominate right you extend your lead and then all of a sudden there's this 15 minutes of of kind of nothing and it's it's hard to figure out you know but it's happened in in all these games where they've had the lead as well it's it's not just the defense but the offense is has also experienced maybe the adjustments that were made you know, at the half that, that they're not able to just kind of diagnose maybe and overcome immediately. And, and it just coincides with the defense kind of giving up a couple quick scores as well. Like the timing could not be worse for both of those things to happen. And they're happening at the same time. And that's what I, I just don't understand is the, the first two and a half quarters. Man, I think at one point the rushing yards was 152 to two. I mean, yeah. the, the defense couldn't have played better and then to see a complete 180 the last quarter and a half, it's not like they were consistently mediocre throughout the, the, the four quarters of the right. game, and that's why they lost. They were dominant money for, for two and a half quarters, and then all of a sudden a 21-point lead goes like that. That's what I just – I can't put my finger on. Yeah, well, you know, I think that's where maybe you can come in to, to sort of identify individual moments. And, you know, look, Nas, Nas had a bad game. That's just all there is to it. He took bad angles uh, into the hole, that 55-yard run. He should have been able to get to that hole and, and limit that to a 10- or 12-yard gain on Lindsey. He got caught in the wrong spot on another one when he ran outside and then made this stupid play to hit him out of bounds to give him the extra 15 yards. So, you know, and he's a young player. It's his, first, it's his second year in the league, but really it's his first year playing. So yeah. you're going to have those games. It's a bad one for Nas. No question about that. Second thing, we're starting to see, for whatever reason, Joey Bosa off the field late in games. You know, whether it's nagging injuries or if it's he's gassed because he's got to do so much and he's getting 10, 12 pressures a game. Uh, or in this one, the concussion, that's a huge difference. I mean, he, it is. you know, PFF coming to this game inexplicably had Garrett Bowles as their number one rated left tackle, which is one of the dumbest things I've ever heard and would immediately make me throw their rating system out the window. However, they great offensive linemen because you saw what Bosa did to that guy the entire game. Um, you could have thrown five, seven holding calls against him and he wasn't doing that. He was getting wrecked. So Bosa for whatever, you know, not for whatever reason, it's because he's Joey Bosa. He destroys Garrett Bowles every time they meet. So you pull him off. And now Casey's got to leave. And that was weird. I thought Casey was just trying to get a breather and being sly about it, you know, when he, when he walks off the field. Yeah. 
and next thing you know, you got Brandon facing, you know, in coverage on, you know, LO and man, you know, that's, I guess that's kind of something else. Like somehow I, I know they're young and I know they don't get a lot of playing time, but we just saw it last year with Cortland Sutton, like Drew Locke's going for that PI. That's what he wants. So when, when you, you have to have spatial awareness when you're in the end zone to recognize, okay, there's very few yards for him to continue this route. Where am I and what am I doing? And for Faison, it's like, you got to know to turn around. Just turn your head. When, yeah. when you recognize there's the back end of the end zone, I now have to turn because this guy's just going to run me into a PI call when he stops dead and I still have all my momentum going and I'm facing him instead of facing the quarterback. So like, it's those sort of, you know, it's those moments, right? It's situational football. Same thing with the, two, with, 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 the, with the touchdown after they got the extra play. Like, Drew Locke doesn't stand in the pocket. He does not stand mm -hmm. in one place and, and work through progressions. He's going to be on the move. So you better stick to your guy no matter how long you think it is. Oh, the pass rush must have got there. I'm going to look back. No, just you're in the end zone. Blanket Hamler, you know, if that's your guy, don't get off. You know, stick to his ass and – and I think it's that situational football that I know they're young and they don't get a lot of reps, but man, it, you would just like to think that, that they have that situational football awareness in those key pivotal moments of the games. Yeah. And one of those plays, the Chargers, you make one of those plays, the Chargers win the game. And yeah. you brought up lock drawing pass interference. How eerie was it that last year, he draws a pass interference, McManus wins the game, and it's almost the same thing. Of course, they had to score a touchdown this time, but, you know, McManus gets the extra point. Uh, the Chargers uh, were penalized on the extra point. Uh, it yeah. didn't matter, 31-30. So, you know, just – I don't know. I, I'm kind of at a, at a loss. Well, I think you, you know, I think you're, you're echoing the sentiments of all the fans. You know, how, how do you do that? How, how do you do it again? You know, it's one thing to do it – you know, to have it come apart against Tom Brady, you know, who's, who's thrown five touchdown passes in a game and is the greatest ever, okay? It's another thing to do it against first ballot Hall of Famer Drew Brees and have it slip away. It's another thing to do it against the defending world champion Kansas City Chiefs because we see him do it all the time. We just saw him do it in the Super Bowl, you know, when they're down 10 in the fourth quarter and Mahomes can just make that magic and, and overcome it. But not to a team that I got to believe was having a conversation about putting Brett Rippon in, you know, not, not to a team that, that, you know, your defense was manhandling, like you said, to the tune of two rushing yards. Like that to me is there's, there's, and I think that's why, you know, we talked to, to Tom Telesco every Tuesday and, and Anthony Lynn every Monday on Petros and Money. And, and they both said the same thing. They're like, look, this one's going to take a little while to get over. We'd like to have the 24 hour rule, but this one stings. And, you know, it's fine. It can sting, but, you know, if, if nothing changes, um, then, okay, what, what are you doing? You know, what, yeah. what, what adjustments have you made? What, what have you recognized? You know, I know that like, if you go back, I've already watched the game once. If you go back, I mean, you know, they were picking on Kenneth Murray like crazy, you know, in the, in the middle of that field. And that is not something he was asked to do at Oklahoma. He was an athlete. He was a heat seeking missile. He was running sideline to sideline, making tackles. He went in coverage, you know, and he yeah. found himself in coverage that whole game. And, and they were like, okay, there's, you know, to, to borrow a term that my daughter had in high school lacrosse, he's the Cheeto find the Cheeto and go get it. And, and that's, that's what it was in that second half. So they maybe saw something in that first half came out and they were like, let's go. This is, this is where you can attack. And, and they went back to that. Well, repeatedly, um, you know, and that's not something I noticed in the moment. I didn't, you know, so, and maybe the, the coaches didn't either. So you know, those are things you identify and you, you, you try to overcome. Um, but I, I think, you know, against the Raiders, you know, what do I want to see? I certainly don't want to see soft zone. 
because we know what Derek Carr likes to do. We, you know, we, we see him two times a year. And the guy, if, if he beats you over the top with, with Nelson Aguilar or Henry Ruggs, okay, fine. Do it. it but I want to see him take those shots because he doesn't like to. Yeah. You know, even with Ruggs out there, he does not like to do it. He, he wants to get the snap and get rid of that ball. He does not like getting hit. Um, so I would like to see tighter coverage and force him to take those shots. And, you know, that's just not necessarily the style of football that, that Gus coaches. You know, it's a keep everything in front of you, and it's why you have a defense that routinely is a lot lower in the, the rankings in total yards allowed than it is points allowed, where it typically is up tall because, he, you know, up high, I should say, because it's the style. But I think you need to adjust for, you know, for the, for the personnel that's on the field. So I'll be anxious to see if they do a little bit more of that uh, against the Raiders. Last week we talked about, all right, you know, Broncos, Raiders, get back to four and four, get yourself back in the conversation. That conversation is done now. And frankly, it's it's so much less about the Raiders as it is just figuring out your own business and figuring out just how to how to win in the division, how to just win a game and and try to get your season back on track. We're not talking playoffs right now. We're just talking about turning your season around a little bit. Uh, defensively, Desmond King goes to the Tennessee Titans. Uh, what did you make of that trade, and how do you think it affects the defense moving forward? Yeah, just quickly to your first point, Chris, I think, you know, if you're three and four, you're feeling really good, right, about the seven teams that are going to make the postseason. All that really does, if you can figure it out, is, you know, you just got to win one of the ones that you assumed you were going to. You've got to go to Buffalo and win, you know, and Josh Allen has not been playing great lately. So if that was when you circled this, yeah, that one's probably going to be a loss. Just win that one, you know, and then that atones for the issue – in Denver. Now, it's a lot easier for me to say that than to actually do it. And it does start with beating the Raiders. But I think this idea of, well, you know, only 4.8% of the teams that are two and five make the playoffs. So forget about that. Every year is different. Every opponent's different. Every schedule is different. You don't know how many teams are going to need nine or eight wins to get into that seven spot. Like the historical data stuff I never pay attention to. Yeah. So I would just say, okay, just swap out. You should have beat the Broncos and, and you should have been three and four but maybe you weren't counting on beating the Bills, which is just kind of that next, I think, game that you look at and go, oof, that's going to be tough in Buffalo. Just win that one. Um, to, to Desmond King, I mean, look, it, I don't know. I don't, I don't get it. I, I don't know how a guy um, who's in a contract year can find himself having, you know, some issues that weren't necessarily on-field issues that we had heard about. So I can't, you know, speak to it. I'm not there. Heck, none of us are there, right? Because we're not tier one. So yeah. I, I don't know exactly what it is. But as far as him going to Tennessee – unless, you know, they're going to get him to rush the passer, I don't know what he's going to do because that's Tennessee's issue right now. The, you're playing against a, a Bengals offensive line that's got all five guys that are backups, and you can't even get a – you can get two hits, no sacks, uh, two – not, not hurries, two, not, not two sacks, two quarterback hits is all they got in that game. So I, I know they're looking at their secondary and it's banged up, you know, but – I don't know how much Desmond King can do for them if they can't figure out how to get Landry, especially since they already released Beasley and just took a nine and a half million dollar hit on that one. Mm. Um, you know, that I, Desmond is not the kind of corner that's going to stick to someone, right? We know that because he was, you know, for, for as great as he was in 18, was as bad as he was in 19. I mean, he, he did not play well in the slot. Um, and I think that's why you saw them go out and get Chris Harris, you know, because they knew that, okay, well, we're getting picked on in the slot repeatedly because they're just crushing Desmond. It's too bad. It didn't work out because, you know, 2018 was such a great year for him. He was fantastic um, in 18. Man. Yeah. 
So it look, that's football. You know, it, it can happen. It's, it's a, it's a weird game. It's, you know, it's 11 pieces that need to move in concert. And if you're not in step with the other 10, uh, defense offenses and coaches are good enough to figure out where that weak spot is and they're going to come get you. Well, Muddy, we'll see you at SoFi Stadium on Sunday. You know, I didn't think we needed to talk much about the Raiders this week. It's, I think it's more about the Chargers. You know, the, the, the Raiders so. are coming off a, a 16-6 win in Cleveland where it was 150-mile-an-hour yeah. wins. Well, you know, that's they impressive. Win it. You know, it's impressive for a team that plays on the West Coast that has a 10 a.m. game that, you know, you have to deal with all three, rain, sleet, and snow over the course of a 60-minute game to come out and win. I thought it was, you know – yeah, the Chiefs, but, you know, the Chiefs aren't going to win all 16. They're going to lose a game, and typically they lose the one sure. that's a hiccup every year. So, to me, that was one of their more impressive wins. You know, it was not an easy game. They got out of there with a victory. Um, so, I'm sure they're feeling pretty darn good about themselves because I, I can imagine when they stepped out of the, the tunnel, they were like, oh, crap. This is what we got to deal with. So, you know, you credit them. But, like you said, we know the Raiders. We know what they look like. We know they have no pass rush. We know their defense is challenged, and I'd like to see Herbert take, take advantage of that again, and I think he will. I'm stoked that they found Troy Main Pope because I think Josh Kelly's – I don't know if he's hit a rookie wall or what's going on, but it just seems like he's kind of struggling a little bit. Pope and, was and great. He was, Pope was great fantastic, on Sunday. You know, yeah. and I think because he was so good, I think that pushed Justin Jackson a little bit too. Um, and, and he had his best game, I think, of, yeah. of his career. And, you know, there, so look, there's not – I'm not trying to be too negative here. There were positives. Pope was a huge positive coming out of there. I thought Cole Toner was a huge positive. I did not expect anything from him, to be honest, because we'd seen it before. But, man, he had a great game um, when you go back and watch. And, and I think a lot of that, too, is having Bulaga next to him, you know, and that just kind of the right side of that line I thought had a really good game. So um, hopefully that carries over. You can continue to stifle the run like you did against, you know, the Broncos for that first half, figure out what you were doing right and what went wrong there and get a win, man. It'd be nice to see him knock off the Raiders, you know, just kind of slow their roll and, and get, you know, get Gruden all chapped and Derek Carr all defensive. That'd be a lot of fun. <laughs> it would be. You know, you, you mentioned uh, Telesco and Lynn saying, hey, this one's going to sting a while. I think for fans, when your team loses on a Sunday night, and a Monday, it's the worst, right? Yeah. I mean, you are just you, you're you're feeling it. You're you're thinking about it. You're looking back. Then you get to Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and you slowly get to the next week, and it, it's still gonna be there, right? That loss isn't going away, but you can at least look forward. And in a win against the Raiders, I'll tell you this: that'll go a long way for the fan base. No question. No, I mean, I think the one issue for the Chargers fans is that they've done it every week. Every week, it's like, oh, how do we lose that game of the Chiefs? Finally had it, you know. Why do we I lose know. that game? All Badgley has to do is kick that field goal against the say, How do you lose that game again? You know, that's just unfortunately what they get. Like you said, you don't want to watch. You don't want to watch the Sunday night football game. You don't want to watch Monday night football it's because brutal. the highlight package is coming, and they're going to say, "How do they lose this one?" You know, and and it's just like you have to get to Wednesday. I think you have to get because Tuesday you're still having the recap of the Monday night football, and then the power rankings come out. You know, like I do on on NFL Network. So. Tuesday, you're still in that danger zone. Wednesday, you're in the clear, you know. So I think uh, hopefully they're feeling a little bit better today. And like you said, get that win against the Raiders and, and knock it out. Next time I talk to you, positive vibes, hopefully. There we go. I'm going to go back to uh, my positive vibes. And I'm not kidding right now. I mean this literally. I'm watching North Shore. So Rick Kane just got the Lance Burkhardt's house. He just jumped in the ocean for the first time after winning the Arizona <laughs> title uh in the wave pool so uh, i'm feeling good man i'm a, there you I'm go. a square <laughs> i'm <laughs> getting back it. to that Tur <laughs> turtle and cane that's what i'm going back to <laughs> beautiful love it money thanks so much brother all right chris we'll talk to you
Alright guys, that's gonna do it for us. A big thanks to Money and of course our Beat Writers Roundtable. Jeff Miller, Gil Manzano, and Joe Reedy for joining me. And of course, thanks to you all for listening. Be sure to subscribe to the Chargers Podcast Network wherever you listen to podcasts. Also join us on the final drive presented by Microsoft Surface. Win, lose, or draw. We'll be there Sunday after the Chargers take on the Raiders from SoFi Stadium. Have a great weekend, and until next time, I'm Chris Harry.